It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at MileHighReport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the MHR Radio Podcast. And as I told Adam before we started recording, I am going to ask this question until it happens. Adam, has Vance Joseph been fired yet? No. And he's probably not going to this week since it's a short week. Yeah, you can't. But I'm still going to ask the question. No, and it was funny because I actually said to you you when we were talking about it before, you can't fire him this week because it's a short week, and they only lost by three points to the Rams. And your response was classic. Yes, you can. <laughs> what do you got to lose? What do you Another have to game. lose? I, I mean, you know. What, I, are you going to give up 200 yards plus rushing to another running back? I, it, it's got to be. It's It's gotten to the point where they gave up. And I, I, I wrote it down because the, the number sort of shocked me. It was 444 yards of offense that they gave up. 270 of it on the ground. 270 yards on the ground. Let me emphasize this again. I'm going to add what they did or allowed to the Jets last week. They have allowed 593 yards rushing. 
593. They are the first defense in NFL history to give up back-to-back 200-yard rushing performances to running backs. That's a, that's, I mean, that speaks volumes to just where this team is at. And, you know, it's funny because when you look at those numbers, you would think that the Rams put up 40 points. They only scored 23 points. They were the, the Broncos only allowed 23 points. I don't know what that says about the team other than maybe there's a bend, don't break attitude, which is fine, I suppose. But when you're giving up that many yards, that means you're giving up time of possession and you're giving up just play after play after play after play. And it just wears you down. And that defense is gassed. They're gassed after six games. They are done. And that is that is a terrifying thing to think about, that they only gave up 23 points, but all those yards, eventually that's going to add up to a ton of points against them. And it's not going to get any easier. That's really the hardest part about it. It's not going to get any easier. It's the NFL. Everybody's good. I think there's two two ways to look at how this game played out defensively for the Broncos. Obviously, Bradley Chubb and the Orange Rush did what it could to to get after Jared Goff and and, and limit him and actually allow him to to have a bad game, I would say, to his standards because he was missing receivers. He he, you could tell he was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. They harassed him pretty well, and I, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, and and Bradley Chubb was one of the winners in my winners and losers after the game because he finished with three sacks, and he looked like the number five pick. He looked exactly like what they need out of the number five pick. And he was doing it against Andrew Whitworth. He was doing it against a very good Rams offensive line. I mean, so you have to give the Broncos pass defense credit for that. And that includes the frequent flyer zone because they didn't get beat deep. They didn't give up a lot of, they didn't give up touchdowns. The touchdowns they give up were to Todd Gurley in the running game. So, and I think the other aspect of that that ties into this is Todd McVay, I think, did what we always talk about. He tried to get too cute. He stopped running the football for whatever reason at the end of the second quarter and throughout the third quarter. He stopped running the football for some reason. That's why the game was closer, because if he doesn't do that and he just feeds Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley probably gets close to 400 yards rushing. Yeah, that was interesting. I want to before I jump on that, I, I want to go back to what you said about Bradley Chubb. I would like to think that his performance in this game against the Rams, against a very very good offense, will sort of quiet some of the naysayers out there who think that he's a who are already getting ready to call him a bust. Right? They're already they're get they've got out their little their little stuff that they're gonna line it up and they're they're polishing their bust stuff and they're gonna call him a bust and they can't wait to do that. And he hasn't been as dominant as we had hoped and as fans wanted him to be right away. But 
today was a, a breakout game for him, and he was not. You're like you said, he was not going up against the the Rams are no slouches. He wasn't going up against Garrett Bowles. He he was he wasn't going up against Michael Schofield. You know what I'm saying? So this was a big game for him, and let's just let's everybody calm down about whether or not he's going to be great or not great. He's got a ton of talent. The the Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Orange Rush stuff, while it may not have um, materialized as of yet into being like the most feared pass rush in the league, it will. And I, I think today was a really good example of that. It will. It absolutely will. But it's going to take some time. You, you got to let rookies learn a little bit. And he's learning and he's getting better. And you could see some of the moves that he made uh, – they were different. There was a there was a quickness to his to his play. The game is slowing down for him a little bit, and I was really happy to see that. But the point that you're making about getting too cute and the Rams' offense sort of petering out, sort of in the second and third quarter, is an interesting point to make because they really could have just continued to hand off the football. And you, we've been asking that of the Broncos all season. Just turn around and hand the ball off. Just turn around and hand the ball off. And it was interesting because in this game, that didn't really work for the Broncos. They didn't have the same – they weren't as effectual in the run game as they have been in the rest of the season. And I, I'm just curious what your take is on that because I was surprised to look at some of the numbers of that as well. I think Phil Lindsay only averaged like four yards a carry, which I think it's what, four and a half. I just looked at it. Only four and a half yards a carry. That's way down for him. But then Royce Freeman – 2.4 yards a carry. That's not good. How many good. carries did they get? Not enough. <laughs> I, mean, I can tell you right now, it's not enough. Uh, Royce Freeman had nine, and Philip Lindsay had four. So there you go. The, for the Broncos fans listening to this podcast and the seasoned fans from the mid to late 90s and throughout the, the early 2000s, there's a line that was said by Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak was involved in that until the mid 2000s. You don't go away from the running game. Just because it's not effective early in the game doesn't mean you abandon it. Bill you know, Musgrave, abandon it again. Just because you're not getting what you usually get doesn't mean you stop doing it. Think of how many times the Broncos throughout Mike Shanahan's tenure maybe weren't running the ball effectively in the first, second quarter, maybe the first half of the third quarter. But because they kept doing it, they wore the defense out, and eventually you started to bust runs loose at the end of the third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter. That's why you keep running it. Because you wear out the defense, especially a mile high. You have the thin altitude. And then on top of that, you're in a colder game, so it's going to impact you even more. Yeah, it's funny because you're saying essentially what Mark Schlereth was saying, and, and Stink was on the the call for Fox today in the game, which uh, you know it's I don't usually like to talk about announcers because I don't really care, but he made the point that the Broncos need to just continue to run the football. They need to keep you know smash mouth football, run the ball up in there, and and then they just stopped. It just it stopped. It was sort of out of nowhere. Like they just completely went away from it, and for no reason. It was to me. It was it was frustrating to watch because you had, let's face it, a, a solid NFL offensive lineman 
who understands the game saying during the game they need to keep running the football and they wouldn't do it. And I, I understand there's going to be people out there that are like, oh, he was slurping on the Rams the whole game. Mark Schlereth is, you know, was terrible, blah, 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 blah. Because some of the people in Slack were feeling that way as well. But the truth is he was being pretty honest about what was going on with the Broncos. And the fact that they don't just continue to run the football because they think they have to do, like you said, this cute, like, you know, the, the cutesy plays where you got to draw it up so that, it, you know, that that's not necessary. This team has proven that it's not necessary. So why they continue to go away from the run is beyond me. And there's something that I want to talk about because I, I know people are going to talk about that Emmanuel Sanders taunting penalty that would have put the ball at the one yard line and perhaps cost the Broncos four points. And I, I get that there's going to be people who hold that against Emmanuel Sanders. And he came out and he took credit Emmanuel Sanders for, for what he said after the game, because he said, it cost my team. I look at the scoreboard and we lost by three points. I feel like we could have easily punched that ball in and got four more points. I guess this loss is on me. I don't feel that way. It was a dumb penalty. It cost his team 15 yards and four points. But he was one of the lone guys on offense who was doing anything. He showed emotion. He was one of the only guys who actually showed up on offense. And if you want to find the play that cost this team the game, it wasn't a player. It was Vance Joseph, who once again proved how inept he is at situational football. It was at the end of the second quarter, less than a minute left. The Broncos had just thrown an incomplete pass on third and three to Emmanuel Sanders. The ball is at the 39-yard line. It would have been a 56-yard field goal. It would have been a 56-yard field goal, but that is in Brandon McManus's range. And if you're going to go for it anyway, why do you take points off the board? Because regardless if he misses it, it's going to end up in the same spot. And remember, Keenum took a sack that put the ball at the 50-yard line, so it was a loss of 11 yards. The Broncos lost by three points. That game time, that touchdown at the end of the at the end of the game, basically that Keenum threw to Demarius Thomas, that would have tied the game. Yeah, I mean so that absolutely. makes that makes Emmanuel Sanders' taunting penalty irrelevant. Vance Joseph has to overcome that. That's what a coach does, and I he did. I, I wouldn't he did call it at situational football. Right, I I agree with you. I I wouldn't call the taunting penalty. Um, you know, inconsequential or irrelevant, because I think I think it does have relevance. If if he doesn't do that, then uh, we're not in this situation, and we don't have to worry about Vance Joseph understanding situational football. But that sort of ignores the point that you're making, and I think that's an important point. After that happens, Bill Musgrave should still be able to get the Broncos to punch the ball in from the 16-yard line, right? The offense should still be able to score a touchdown from the 16-yard line. To me, that's that's a, sort of a cop-out. Well, we, we didn't score there because of the 15-yard penalty. No, the Broncos didn't score there because they didn't call the right plays. And it continues throughout the game. And it's not just Vance Joseph. It's 
Bill Musgrave, it's Joe Woods, it's the whole coaching staff that continue to make these mistakes. And, Not Tom McMahon. And, except for Tom McMahon, who is going to be the uh, the interim head coach soon. Have I, they fired Vance Joseph yet? Not yet. I just looked at Twitter. He's still, you know, oh, okay. and I know. I, I wish that I could give you better news there, but I can't. It, it's an interesting aspect of this team right now that there is – there is the talent. The talent is there. And and think about the catch that Demarius Thomas made. I know fans want to just pound on him for his drops. But that touchdown catch was incredible. It was incredible. He snags that ball with his hands. He used his hands to catch it, which is amazing. The way he drags his feet in the back of the end zone, beautiful. It was perfection. And the talent is there. Emmanuel Sanders is there. Cortland Sutton had a pretty good game. He... Threw one of the best one of the best blocks I've seen since Eddie Mack in the Super Bowl. He threw a great block, and you just can't keep doing that to your players. You can't keep taking their talent and wasting it, and that's what's going on. That I think that's the biggest issue that fans have at this point in the Vance Joseph era. What you are seeing, and it's a, it, this game is the perfect example of it, is you are seeing talent being wasted on the field. Now, the defense, I don't know what to tell you about what happened with the defense and the run the you know, the run defense was awful and that was embarrassing. The rushing attack was pretty good, but they only gave up 23 points. Um, okay, great. The offense, there is talent on this offense. There's a problem at quarterback still, which is frustrating, but there is talent on this offense. It has to fall on somebody's shoulders now. It's Vance Joseph and after a year and a half of this guy being the head coach, it is very apparent how Broncos country feels about the direction of the franchise with Vance Joseph as the head coach. And and you brought up the stat, and I'm going to let you talk about it first because you, you get to talk about it. But it is indicative of what's going on with this franchise and the way that Broncos country is reacting to it. And it's more it's more of an indictment than the rushing yards, which is a huge indictment. But this is even bigger. There were over 9,000 no-shows at a Broncos home game. 9,000. More than 9,000 no-shows. I remember when we went to games in the early 2000s, and if the no-shows were around 500... Oh, you boo, boo. And Who now there's 500 9, people. Now there's over 9,000. If you want to know how you end the Vance Joseph error, that's how, and it's not even not no because they still get the money for not showing up. If you really want to stick it to the Broncos, you still go, but you don't buy any concessions. Sneak in your own peanuts, people. Come on. If you don't buy beer, if 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 the if the people who do show up at Broncos games don't buy beer, that's how you end the Vance Joseph era. Yeah, but that's not fair. How do you get through a Vance Joseph led football game without having a few beers? I mean, you got to have something. Because, I think you need something harder at this point. I mean, it's just it's just rough. You know, the the nine thousand no shows to me says a lot about. Not just about how people feel about Vance Joseph, but about how they feel about this season. 
This was the sixth game of the season. The Broncos were 2-3 and three going into this game against one of, if not the best, teams in the NFL. They, have, they had a chance to make a real statement in that game, and this is exactly the kind of game where the team needs Broncos country to show up, right? But so many people are so down on this team that they believe there is no chance. And we're, I think we're two of those people based on our predictions the last few weeks uh, and what was going to happen in the games that they've given up. There's no reason to go to the game because they're not going to go to the playoffs. So this team isn't worth watching. I'm not going to go spend my money at the stadium because, you know, it's not worth it. That, to me, that's a huge statement that's being made that the coach has turned this team into something less than what it should be. And the fans have given up already, and we're not even halfway through the season. Is that on Vance Joseph, though? Because we asked the question when he was brought back, Elway is just delaying the inevitable. I think... uh... I think we talked about it last week and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse here, but it, it, it isn't only on Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph is the, is the guy that can go now, right? It's pretty apparent that John Elway is not going to lose his job. Joe Ellis is not going to fire John Elway. John Elway is a Broncos legend. He is, he, he won a Super Bowl as a GM. He's been to two Super Bowls as a GM. He's, he is the face of the Denver Broncos. That being said, just to reiterate where we have been for the last few weeks, John Elway needs to be given a lot of the blame because he could have moved on from Vance Joseph. He had the opportunity. It sounds like, or it seems like, that's what was going to happen. And then some somebody or something... Or someone got in his ear and convinced him to keep Vance Joseph around for one more season. And here we are. And to me, that is that is on John Elway, the giving up of the fans. Because you see that as a fan and you think to yourself, this franchise doesn't care about winning. Because if they cared about winning, they would have moved on last year. And when will they start to care about winning again? Because now it feels like winning isn't important. If you're willing to keep this guy around, winning is not important. But it kind of actually is if you want people to keep coming to your games. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the next home game, the no-shows are in the 10,000 range or 11,000 range, especially if they falter against the Cardinals a little bit. Well, and then after the Cardinals, they play the Chiefs. And I think this even goes this goes deeper than even Elway and Ellis. I think this is indicative of the fact that there's no Pat Bolin. There is not only no Pat Bolin, there's no owner. There is no one to lead this team. And a couple, I said it after uh, last week when I brought up the whole point of is it time to start contemplating getting rid of Elway? And it's I think the bigger issue is that there's no one to make that decision. I mean, the Broncos are a headless horseman at this point. And they're just being led 
whichever direction someone decides to point their finger in the wind and say, yeah, let's go this way. And it's clearly not the right way. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's it, a good point. It's not, I, 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 there are a couple of winners that I want to talk about aside from Emmanuel Sanders and Bradley Chubb. You've mentioned Cortland Sutton. He only finished with three catches for, for 58 yards. And most of it came on that 41 yard bomb. But this young man is special. And it also shows that Denver needs to throw it deep to Sutton three to five times a game because he either seems to make the catch or he draws pass interference penalties. So why not use that to your advantage? It will then loosen up the defense. And like I said, he threw a pretty awesome block. And he's a good blocker. The other winner from the Broncos is is Brandon McManus, the gooch. The Broncos kicker made both of his field goals and both of his extra points. McManus has yet to miss a field goal or extra point through six games. He entered Sunday's game as one of four kickers to do so during this season. I mean, I was having this conversation with one of my buddies today before the game started and whatnot. It feels like, or it seems like, kickers are missing a lot. Right, a lot of extra points being missed, a lot of field goals being missed. I don't know if I don't have any empirical evidence to back that up, but that's just the way it feels. And to see McManus continue to be successful, uh, especially after some small struggles at the sort of the beginning of the year last year, he seemed to turn those things around towards the end of the year, and this year has been very good for him. It's good to see, and I, I, I'm glad you picked him as a winner because you got to have somebody who's doing a good job and scoring points for you. And then before I get to two winners that we should all salute, I had to give, I had to make Todd Gurley a winner because he looked like Bo Jackson from Tecmo Bowl. I mean, he he is so good, and I I get it. The Broncos' defense, especially run defense, is putrid, and that's an insult to putrid. But Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley is a special running back. I'm just watching him run. He he runs with some fury, but he's shifty as well. It's it, he really is a very good running back. He's a guy who can carry your team, and and he really did against the Broncos today. He was he was their offense. In fact, it without him, I don't I don't know what they would do because really they didn't have uh, they didn't have a great uh, passing game either. Uh, Robert Woods had seven catches for 109 yards, but beyond that, uh, you know. Brandon Cooks and Gerald Everett and Todd Gurley were your other receivers, and they all had two catches. So it, it was one of those one of those games where he just he did all of the work, uh, and and that's something that you watch him run and you go, wow, that's that's pretty good. He finished with two hundred and eight yards on twenty eight carries for two touchdowns and a whopping seven point four yards per carry. That's a lot. That's nuts. That's that's a lot. It's it's infuriating that that happened to my favorite team. Like that just makes me crazy. But you got to give the man the respect that he deserves. That's a lot. And then here are the the other here are the two winners that I had to lead off that portion of the story. The Broncos organization. Sunday was the fight like a Bronco game where the franchise does its salute to survivors. 
At halftime, the Broncos honored more than 100 women, men, and children who survived more than 30 different types of cancer. This is the third year of Fight Like a Bronco that was started for assistant turf manager Luke Kellerman, who was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. In September 2015, Kellerman began formulating a proposal for an expansion of the NFL's A Crucial Catch campaign from the team's release. Seven months later, the proposal came to life when the team announced Fight Like a Bronco, an all-inclusive campaign recognizing all those affected by cancer. The year-long campaign focuses on prevention and screenings, support for those currently battling cancer, and celebrating survivors. While Kellerman tragically lost his battle with cancer on October 26, 2017, at age 34, his legacy lives on through the team's Fight Like a Bronco campaign. And then the other winner is the more than 100 cancer survivors. The women, men, and children who won their battle with this heinous disease deserved all the recognition they got on Sunday from the Broncos. They are the real heroes. And the reason I included that in the winners and losers is because at the end of the day, it's a football game. Can't say it any better than that. It's true. At the end of the day, it's a football game. And, uh, I don't know a single person who hasn't been uh, touched by or affected by cancer in some way. Uh, my mom's a survivor. Um, you know, my, my father-in-law's a, a cancer survivor as well. It's one of those things where it, it, it affects everybody. It does. And uh, it's good to see organizations like the Broncos and like the NFL in general uh, doing things in the community and, and honoring people who uh, have fought like Broncos, I suppose. Um, and so that's that was a good one. That's a good winner as well. And it's, it makes you makes you sort of put things into perspective, right? You kind of just, you go, okay, this is just a game. But it's still a game that I wish they would have won. And it's still a game that you're passionate about and you want your team to do better. And I think that's one of the things that just bothers me so much about the last three seasons is there hasn't been that commitment. There hasn't been that urge, that desire, that need, that, that un, that unquenching thirst to win. And it, it comes from the fact that I I've talked and we've talked to Steve Atwater and we've talked to so many players and, and people who knew and played for and worked for Pat Bowen. And this would be unacceptable to him. And that, and it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable to me. It's unacceptable to you. It should be unacceptable to every fan of the Broncos listening to this podcast and those not listening to this podcast. This is unacceptable. This should not be acceptable. The Broncos haven't had back-to-back losing seasons in 45 years. The Broncos are on pace to do that. And that's after last year where the Broncos had its longest, their longest losing streak in 50 years. The Broncos are setting the wrong records. Vance Joseph is setting the wrong records. Why is he still the head coach of this football team? 
Well, that is exactly the point that I think has to be made here. And it goes back to those 9,000 no-shows, and it goes back to the apathy that you see in you know, in, in fandom. I, I, I remember growing up in, Den, in, in Denver, the Broncos were it, right? I mean, I, we grew up in Greeley, but you go, go to Denver, the Broncos were it. That was the only thing that there was. I mean, the Nuggets were great and fun, and the Rockies came along eventually. And, and then we got the Abs, which I know I know you are a, a big Abs fan, which is great, and I, I think they're going to do well this year, and so that's fun. But Denver is a Broncos city, and Colorado is 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 a Broncos state, and the Rocky Mountain region is the Broncos region. It just is, and so to see sort of this, there's no pride in it anymore, and it's I can understand why. There's no reason to feel proud about what's going on with this team. And you watch that game and you see a, a, a running back like Todd Gurley, who I, I don't want to take anything away from him, and we've already said he is incredible. But for you as a defense to not care enough to want to stop him, for the coaching staff to not put the defense in a, a better position to stop him, is that's infuriating. And it makes you look at this team and go, well, who cares? They're not making the playoffs. They're not going anywhere. And you said it perfectly, and it has to be said again, and it needs to be brought up more. Pat Bolin would not accept this. If Pat Bolin was in charge, he would not accept the just the, the horrible product that they have put on the field. Because it is a horrible product. But Pat Bowen can't do that. And this team can't wait for somebody from the Bowen family to finally be able to take over the team. They have to make a move. They have to make a move now. And I think it's time to say not just that maybe John Elway needs to move on, which is a little bit rough, and obviously Vance Joseph needs to be fired, which is just the truth, but that it may be time for the Bolins to look at selling the franchise to somebody who will pick up from where Pat Bolin left off. I don't know who that is. I don't know who's who's got that kind of money and that kind of desire to create a winner the way that Pat Bolin did. But it would be nice if they could find somebody. They just they they can't wait, because it's not just the product on the field. We've brought this up. There's still no corporate sponsor on the stadium. They can't get a corporate sponsor to buy naming rights. And if they were waiting to see how this season played out, you're going to have people Uh running away at this point. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I don't think it's working. So, and there... We hear the talk about how it's just it, it, the constant negativity and, and the trashing the Broncos. That's because we're passionate about this football team. We grew up with this football team. We grew up with John Elway and Pat Bolin, where losing was unacceptable. So now to see that John Elway has accepted losing, it makes no sense to me. I, 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 can't, I can't connect it. I don't understand it. It's not that we're negative to this football team. We have high expectations for this team. 
and it shouldn't be accepted by this fan base. I listed Garrett Bowles as a loser in my winner's losers. Because he was. He, he may – so that some of, the, some of the comments were he was decent. So that's the threshold now. Yeah. Decent. Decent. He still leads the NFL in holding penalties. He still got flagged for a huge holding penalty, regardless if you think it was a holding penalty or not. He has a reputation. His name is Garrett Holds. It's just once you start accepting play like that and not willing to call it out, you start a slippery slope into accepting what you see on the field. And that cannot happen for this fan base and for this franchise. It cannot be accepted what is happening to this franchise. This is one of the best franchises in all of sports. It's been one of the most successful franchises in all the four major sports. And what we're seeing should not be accepted. It should not be tolerated. So when we get emotional and if people seem to think that it's negative, that's fine. We just have high expectations and we demand that this team be the Broncos. Yeah. Like it's like it's almost like somebody has taken our team away and and brought in some imposters and you know we're going to Scooby Doo pull the mask off and it'll be, you know, the ghost of Al Davis or some junk making us angry. I don't I don't really know. Um but it is I think I think like the the big takeaway here for me and the more that we talk about it after 6 games of the season and after giving up so many yards to the Rams and, and still really only giving up 23 points, which, you know, like we talked about before, uh, the score is not a very good indicator of, of just how dominant the Rams were, but they were very dominant. You, you can't walk away from this game and not feel like just, just like we're talking now, there is anger in the fans. There is apathy in some fans. There is this sort of, sense of of hopelessness that the season is over which again I go back to that 9000 number of people not showing up to to Broncos Stadium at Mile High or Broncos Field at Mile High Stadium whatever the heck they're calling it these days and you no show stadium yeah no show stadium i mean you just shake your head and you and you wonder is this really what is this really what John Elway wants to do to this franchise and continue to put that product out there. And I will tell you this. If if they fired Vance Joseph before the next home game, there'd be a it would be a sellout crowd no matter what. Because oh, people guaranteed. will show up to celebrate the fact that this person is gone. And I I feel bad for Vance Joseph. You know, you you've said it before and and, and I'm going to say it right now. This game was the perfect example of why he should not be a head coach. If this is not his fault, someone needs to put him out to pasture. He needs to be fired so he doesn't have to continue to screw up. Because it's 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 over. He's he's proven over a year and a half, over one and a half seasons almost, that he's not worthy, that he's not capable. So move on. 
Find someone who is capable. But it's time to move on. And, I, and I'm sick and tired of having this conversation. I'm sick and I tired. Of, yeah, I, I mean. This is two years of this. Yeah. it's. I mean, I'm sorry. Derek Wolf is right. You know, after last week's game, he said, I'm tired of talking about this for two years. Yeah. So are all of the fans. And I'm going to ask a question that I asked back in 2009, 2010, about Josh McDaniels. What else does John Elway and this franchise need to see? I don't I don't know what else there is. I really don't. What else I can mean, Vance Joseph and his coaching staff do to show that they are inept? What more can they do? They've already proven it. They've already taken a team that has the talent to win a Super Bowl because they pretty much did and nosedive. And I know that I, you know I was tweeting back and forth with somebody on on Twitter about about the sort of the collapse started when Peyton Manning left. And I will agree with that. Losing Peyton Manning was rough. That hurt the team. It hurt the team so bad that the next year they went 9-7. and seven Under Gary Kubiak. Now, I had my issues with Gary Kubiak. I think he could have handled some things a little differently. That being said, as a head coach, he took a team that didn't have a franchise quarterback, but still had enough talent, and they were 9-7. and seven. Super Bowl hangover. Nine and seven. Vance Joseph took took essentially the same team. Five and eleven. He's learning. Needs a quarterback. Here's your quarterback, Vance. Don't forget you, the assistant coaches and coordinators that he gets to pick. Sure, of course. I I should never for, forgotten that. Here's your here's here's all of the stuff that you need now, Vance. You've got it all. You've got the quarterback. Do you see them going anything better than 5 and 11 this year? I see them being worse. Exactly. What more? You're you're right. What more do we have to see? Apparently it's a lot. Apparently you really got to screw up for John Elway to fire you. And I'm going to add I wanted to add somebody to my losers list and I was going to add myself because I was not a realist at least at the time. I thought I was a realist. I have not been a realist with this team or with this franchise the last two years, and especially this year. I think I was more last year. But this year, I, I said that their ceiling was 10-6 and six and the floor was 8-8. Eight and eight. I totally bought into the Case Keenum hype. Totally, totally, totally. That's on me. He is a trash quarterback. I should have listened to my gut when they initially – were rumored to be going after him. And you remember, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hate it again. He is a trash quarterback. It's just like, it's it, it, to me, it's the same with Vance Joseph. What more do you need to see? Find out what you have in Chad Kelly. Sure, why not? Because the not? season's over. Season's the season over. is over. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's see what this kid can do. I, I hate saying that because it is, it, we shouldn't be in this position, but here we are. Here we are, Broncos country. And the I, I the funniest thing about the game was when Chad Kelly went out because Case Keenum was in concussion protocol. And the stadium erupted. The excitement over watching Chad Kelly go out to kneel on the football 
was I, I'm sorry if, if that's not just another indicator of of where the fans are with this franchise that the the backup quarterback came out to kneel on the football at the end of the half and they erupted in applause and were so excited to me that's hello what more do you need to see now? And then the, the sideline reporter, Jen Hale, was hilarious. Broncos fans can rest easy. Case Keenum is out of concussion protocol and cleared to play. She does not know Broncos fans, as Jess said. <laughs> and it, uh, my wife and I had the reaction that I think most fans of any team watching that game had. They're like, WTF? What? What's going on? What Kelly is in, Did, and then what? so you get that ultimate high, and then all he does is take a knee. You're like, wah wah. Yeah. Oh, well, that was less than that was that was fairly anticlimactic. I uh, think the best the best way to end this is the Rams tweeted out a video of the reaction of Chris Harris Jr. and Derek Wolf and Bill Kolar. I think one of the biggest mistakes John Elway has made, aside from hiring Vance Joseph, was not paying Wade Phillips. I, I and I and I tweeted that Broncos country feels the same way to the son of bum because we really do, and I, I I would have loved to to have seen Wade Phillips end his career as one of the best defensive coordinators in the history of the NFL, definitely the last quarter century. It would have been awesome to see him finish his career in Denver. But to see the way the players, Von Miller, Chris Harris, Bill Kolar, the way they reacted to him and how much they miss him and how much they respect him, it was an awesome sight. Yeah, there's there's not much more to say to that other than we wish he was still a Denver Bronco. And he still is in our hearts. And and that's I suppose all that really matters. So that there we are. We've we've reached the uh we we've reached the point now where I mean what 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 else can we say? So let's go ahead and figure out what where are we on to? What what are we what are we moving on to? At this point, we're on to how bad does it get? Could get real bad. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.